I want to go ahead and jump into the message today. Uh, I'm going to deviate a little bit from what I was originally intending on doing. We were going to wrap up our our series on the Holy Spirit entitled The Helper. Uh, But with the circumstances as they are, I, I felt led to go a completely different direction today. And so uh, we, we are definitely in an uncertain time. Um, and the Bible says that tomorrow is promised to no one. And if we've ever experienced that in our life, it is right now. Uh, this virus has, teach, has taught us that if nothing else, Scripture is true and that life is uncertain and you're always going to be facing some changes. The response of human society to what we're dealing with right now, not just the American society, but the the human society, the global response to this this virus is unprecedented in our lifetime. Uh, I was watching a video of a very well-known pastor this week, and he was talking about how he had been serving in his church for 51 years. And he said, in my 51 years of ministry, we have never experienced and I've never had to lead through something like this. And that just shows us that we are in a very unique time in life. I mean, this is something that that we've never dealt with. And how do we begin to approach it? But here's the thing I want you to catch this morning is that unique times and unique problems create unique opportunities. This last week, Charity and I were on vacation. And so I haven't really spoken to the situation that we are facing uh, in our world today. But a week ago, uh, Sunday night, a week ago, um, as this whole thing was starting to come to a head and the writing was on the wall, I sat down on the couch after Knox had went to sleep and I just jotted down a few thoughts. And the first thought that I had was that this situation, this crisis, if you will, that we're facing is a season of opportunity for the church, not just J First Assembly, but the big C church, the global church. This opportunity is for every single Christian to learn some serious lessons. And I believe there are lessons that God has been trying to teach us for a while. Um, And so everything I'm going to share with you this morning, I jotted down last Sunday night. And it's amazing to me that over this week, I've been kind of disconnected, if you will, but yet I've been watching some pastor friends of mine uh, who have been communicating to their churches via social media. And you know what their message to their church was? Their message was, this is an opportunity. It's the exact same thing that they're telling their churches is what I wrote down in my journal last Sunday night. This is an opportunity. And I want you to think about that for just a moment. Um, Pastors hate sharing the same message. You might not know that, but pastors hate telling the same stories. They hate sharing the same messages. Why? Because we want to be unique. So if we're telling the same stories or sharing the same messages, like two women that show up at the prom together wearing the same dress, like everybody hates that moment. Like that's how it feels when pastors share the same stories. And yet all of these pastors, all my friends, all the global pastors I've been watching have shared the same story that this is an opportunity. Why is that? Why would pastors from all over this nation, all over the world, come to the same set of talking points? These church leaders did not have an opportunity to get together this last week and say, hey, what's the message to our people? They came up with these, this, this feeling. God led them there on their own. How did that happen? I truly believe it's because the Holy Spirit is leading church leaders the same direction. Um, and that direction is this, is that there's an opportunity before us. And I truly believe that God is leading all the pastors the same way, all the church leaders the same way, because he's calling us to seize the opportunity. So while this virus and the response to this virus is unprecedented in our lifetimes, it is not unprecedented in the church. I want to read to you Acts chapter number 11, starting verse 27 through 30. It says this, it says, Now these days the prophets came down to Jerusalem to Antioch. 
And one of them named Agabus stood up and foretold by the Spirit that there would be a great famine in all the world. And this took place during the days of Claudius. So the disciples determined, every one of them, according to his ability, to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. And they did so, sending it to the elders by the hands of Barnabas and Saul. So this very first church faced a crisis in their own day. It was a famine of the entire world. And yet the church did not hunker down during that time. The church did not stop. They, they used it as an opportunity. They saw an opportunity before them and they seized the opportunity. And we as a church, as a local church and as a global church, we need to seize the opportunity. And I believe there are five areas that we can seize. There are five opportunities that we can take advantage of in this next season. I want to share them with you. The first is this. This is a season of opportunity to embrace the gospel. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also to the Greek, right? The gospel message is the power of God, and the church taps into the power of God when we buy into and we believe and we apply the gospel, uh, gospel message to every area of our life. The gospel message is the hope of the world, and the gospel message is the hope for you and for me during these tribulous times. What is the gospel message? The gospel message is the good news of Jesus Christ. And if there's good news, then there has to be bad news, right? We talk about this a lot. And the bad news is that every single one of us were born sinners. Every single one of us have sinned and done things in our life by intent or on purpose that have separated us from the holiness of God. And because God is holy and God is just, he cannot be in the presence of sinful man. And so God, in his holiness and his justice, he also has his loving kindness towards us. And in his loving kindness, he knew that he had to rescue us because the punishment of our sin was death, both spiritual death and, and physical death. But the good news, the gospel message is that Jesus Christ, the son of God, came to live the sinless life that you and I could not live. And he went and he took our punishment on the cross. And when he died upon that cross and his blood flowed, it was for the remission of our sins. And when he was laid in that tomb and he rose again on the third day, we have the hope of eternity that we too can have good new life. That is the good news. That is the message of the gospel. And that is the hope for every single situation in our life. How do we love our spouse? We look at the cross at how Jesus loved us. How do we raise our kids? By the example of Jesus and his loving, tender mercy towards us. How do we approach this global pandemic that we're facing is with the gospel message. If Jesus overcame death, hell, and the grave, he is sovereign in this situation. He is sovereign to be our healer. He's sovereign to be our provider. And the gospel message says, when the world is falling apart around me, I can turn to the rock of ages. I can put my faith and my hope in him. And he has me. Why? Because the gospel message said he rose from the dead. And if Jesus rose from the dead, then he can lead us through this time and through this situation. And so the world needs to see Christians who are rock solid in their faith because of their confidence in the gospel message. They need to see Christians who are confident that no matter what happens, that Jesus is going to take care of them. They need to see Christians that have more faith and more trust in this word and in the gospel message of this word than any news article or any Facebook post about this virus. That's the hope for the world. That's the hope for the fearful world is the gospel message. 
And that's how we differentiate ourselves during this time, by showing who Jesus is. Therefore, what the gospel message does is it makes the church thrive when the rest of the world is falling apart. When everything else is collapsing around us, the church needs to be rock solid and it, not, it needs to thrive because of who Jesus is. When the famine hit the first church that we read about in Acts chapter number 11, the world was in chaos, but the church was hopeful because they know who Jesus was. And that clarity allowed them to respond in a way that met people's needs. If anybody knows anything about crisis management, when, when, when a crisis hits, a lot of people go into panic mode. And when they go into panic mode, they don't think clearly. And therefore, they can't respond properly to whatever challenge that they're facing. But with us as Christians, our rock-solid hope is in the message of Jesus Christ. When the world is panicking, we can stay clear and we can know how to respond. Not only that, but the gospel message is also able to penetrate hearts during this time. People are afraid. And when people are afraid, they're looking for answers in life. And we can provide the answers that Jesus Christ is their healer. Why? Because chaos churns the soil of the human heart. Chaos uproots everything in our life. And when you uproot and turn the soil of the human heart, the seed of the gospel can implant and it can be more fertile during this time. So stand strong on the gospel message during this turbulent times. The second thing is this. This is a season of opportunity to practice the priesthood of the saints. A opportunity to practice the priesthood of the saints. First Peter chapter number two, starting verse number four, it says this. It says, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The Bible calls Christians a holy priesthood. So what does it mean to be holy? It simply means to be set apart. When you look at who God is, the Bible says that he is holy. And what does that mean? He is completely set apart from us. He's completely different. He's, he's all-powerful, all-knowing. He's ever-present. Those are things that you and I don't have. He's, he's set apart from us. A priest is someone who goes to God on behalf of the people and then goes to the people on behalf of God. Jesus Christ fulfilled the first part of that priesthood. He is our advocate to the Father, right? He, the scripture says that he is our great high priest interceding to God on our behalf. You do not need a man or a woman to go to God for you. As believers, we have a privilege to go to God on our own. So what does it mean to be a holy priesthood then? If, if, if we don't need to go to God on, on someone else's behalf, it means that we're called to minister to one another and be Jesus's hands and feet. I said a moment ago that the church will thrive in this season. Thriving and flourishing in this season has nothing to do with having large gatherings, has everything to do with having small gatherings. As a holy priesthood, you can have church anywhere you go. As believers, you are Christ's representative. You are his ambassadors everywhere you go. You can have church when you call someone on the phone. You can have church when you check on a brother and sister in Christ. You can have church when you text someone just to make sure that uh, they have all their needs met. You can have church in the grocery store or at Dollar General when you're going out in public. You are Christ's priest. You are his hands and feet wherever you go. That is the calling that we have. You know, one of our core values here, our mission statement, our, our, our vision statement, if you will, is creating a culture that impacts a community. This is something that we've talked about a lot over the last year, that we need to be people who impact the community because of what Jesus has done inside of our life. Now is your time. Now is my time to practice what we preach, to practice living out our vision and our mission. 
Our community needs to see us as individual believers impacting them and making a difference inside of their life. We have got to be the light in this community to our neighbors and to our church family. One thing that always fascinates me during times of crisis is that the world looks to the church to be the solution to the problem. The world knows that the, when bad things happen that the church is going to have some answers. The week I was voted in, a lot of you guys remember that next Thursday night is when the tornado hit uh, the north side of Jay, right? And then that next Saturday, there were several churches and different organizations in the community that were out there helping clean up. And that is awesome. That was amazing to see because in that moment we came together as a community. Now, a situation like this is a little bit different because we can't do church like normal. We can't have the same massive amounts of people getting together to to have an outreach. And so how do we begin to meet the needs of other people when we can't even get together? The answer is very simple. It's the opportunity of being a priesthood of the saints. If we as individuals take care of our neighbors, if we as individuals check on some friends in the church, our impact will be greater than anything we've ever seen. Why? Because we're multiplied and we're spread out. You know, Jesus told his disciples, he said, it's better for you that I go to heaven so that I can send the promise of the Holy Spirit to you. Now, that sounds very weird. Why why would Jesus say that it was better for him to go to heaven? I mean, he rose the dead. He performed miracles. He taught like no one else. Why was it better for him to go to heaven? It was better because then he could send the Holy Spirit into the believers and then the Holy Spirit, or excuse me, the believers could spread out over the entire world. Jesus was a man. He could be at one place at one time. And when we're trying to do big, large gatherings to do uh, outreach, we're basically becoming one person in one place at one time. But just as it was better for Jesus to go to heaven so he could send the Holy Spirit, I think in this moment it's almost better that we can't have large gatherings because now we can be spread out. Literally, we live all across this county, and when we live all across this county, if we all do what God calls us to do, and we're all spirit-led in this moment, and we reach out to our neighbors and we check up on our church family, I promise you our impact will be greater than anywhere else. There's already testimony that I've heard this week of people who are reaching out to their different church uh, church members and different friends in the community, and they're checking on them. Hey, do you need me to bring your groceries? Hey, do you need some help during this time? Because I know your job's been affected uh, by us not being able to work. Is there anything I can do? And that's amazing to hear. And if we all do what we can do in our own ability, just like the first church did in Acts 11, I promise you, our impact will be amazing. The third opportunity I want you to see is this. This season is an opportunity for you to build your personal faith. As Christians, we are called to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. I want to read it to you. Philippians chapter number 2, starting in verse number 12. It says this. It says, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. If you read in the previous verses... Paul has laid out who Jesus is, and this is the famous passage that we get where it talks about Jesus' name is above every other name, and that the name of Jesus, every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that he's Lord. And then he says, therefore, in verse 12, and this is the response, the truth to who Jesus is. This is our reaction to who Jesus is. Because Jesus is Lord, our reaction is to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. And here's what that means. The burden of growing the faith of the individual is not on the corporate body of the church. It's rather on the individual. And here's what I mean by that. A lot of Christians are looking to someone else to help them grow in their faith. 
And indeed, there is an element where we need each other to spur us on. We need other people who are more mature in the faith to teach us and help us understand the scripture. But if you're ever going to truly grow in your faith and in your understanding, it's not going to be because of what someone else teaches you. It's going to be your personal devotion time in this word and your personal devotion time in prayer. And during this season, we're not going to be able to get together like we normally will in large gatherings, which means if you want to grow in your faith, then it's going to be you to carve out some time to get into this word and to get into prayer. If you want your kids to continue to grow in their faith, it's going to require you as moms and dads and as grandparents and as guardians to set aside that time to read your children a Bible verse and to pray with them at whatever time that works for your family. Because here's the reality. Today it's awesome because we're getting to do church online and all across uh, this county people are watching with us and that's amazing. And I thank God that we have this tool and this opportunity. But this isn't going to last forever and this is not a, this is a supplement to your personal growth. It's not to replace your personal growth. And so you need to you need to watch over your faith during this time and you need to make growing your personal faith and growing the faith of your family a top priority because here's the cold hard facts. This season is going to separate the true Christians from the casual Christians. This season is going to separate the true believers from the people who go to church out of habit. Because we don't know what, what's to come. We don't know if this season is going to last for a couple of weeks. We don't know if this season is going to last for a month. But here's what we do know is that when this season's over and we're getting, we're getting the opportunity to gather again, there are going to be some people who won't show up. Why? Because they went to church out of habit. And in two or three weeks, you can lose a habit very quickly. And their church was out of obligation. Their, their faith was out of obligation. And so I want to encourage you during this time just to do some self-examination. That's part of the pruning process the Holy Spirit wants to do to us. And that's painful sometimes to, to set aside some time to say, God, reveal what's in my heart. Reveal and show me where I'm, I stand at with you because I want to follow you. I want to follow you during this season by reaching out to my neighbors. I want to follow you during this season by growing in my own faith. But I also want to follow you and I want to know and I want to test my faith to make sure that when this is all over that I don't fall away from you. I have two more opportunities I want to share with you very, very quickly. And the, and the fourth one is this. This season is an opportunity to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ who live in closed countries. For most of the American Christians, this is the first time we have not been able to meet together in mass. However, for so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world, this is a normal Sunday morning for them. It's a normal Sunday for them. If you're a Christian in China or North Korea or Iran or countless other nations of the world where it's oppressed, uh, there's persecution, it's illegal for you to worship freely. This is what worship looks like for them. This is how they have been doing church their entire lives. They don't know anything different than what you're experiencing this morning. There are hundreds of thousands and millions of believers all around the world that are worshiping this morning in hiding and in fear of persecution. And this event gives us some insight into what those brothers and sisters experience on a normal basis. And I think this is an opportunity for us to, to reflect on that and to also pray for them because they're going through so much more. This season for us will end someday. 
but it's not ending for them anytime soon. And so we need to remember our brothers and sisters in prayer. One of the most amazing passages that you'll find in all of Scripture is in Revelations. And it talks about how in heaven that John the Revelator saw people from every nation and every tongue worshiping the Father. And right now is a good reminder that around the world, as you're worshiping in your living room this morning, that there was somebody on the opposite side of the world that was worshiping in their living room. They were worshiping in, uh, with their small group wherever they were gathered. Let's seize the opportunity to pray for them. And the fifth is this. This season is an opportunity to practice stewardship of our resources. Who would have thought that the end of the world was going to be marked by a shortage of toilet paper? Right? Like that is not what I thought the end of the world would have been marked by, but yet it is, right? And so it's a, it's a small picture of how we can remember that we need to steward our resources well. All, honestly, the reason why there's a rush is because people realize that they're not properly prepared for what might come. And, and, and we need to be prepared for whatever's coming. There's two really important areas that we need to steward during this time that are resources to us. And the first is this. We need to steward our finances well. Um, let me just be real with you for a moment. There's going to be an economical impact to what's happening and decisions that are being made right now. And so you want to be wise with your personal finances. Right now is not the time to go start spending a bunch of money on things that you don't need. Right now is not the time to go get a bunch of credit cards. Right now is the time to sit down and to write a budget and say, what do I legitimately have to work with? Right now is the time to legitimately write a budget and say, hey, what's going to be coming in? What does my job situation look like? And how do I need to prepare and plan so that I don't end up in financial ruin? Um, it's not too late to start making wise decisions with your finances. I promise you this, that when you're faithful to God, he's going to be faithful to you. When you steward what God brings you well, he will make sure that your needs are met. I promise you. I don't know how that works. I, I've told you before that I was uh, working in the oil field uh, at a welding shop in 2008 when the, the economy collapsed. And we saw that this was coming. Charity and I did. And so we sat down. We did this. We we sat down, we made a budget, and we said, look, here's how much money we have in the bank. Here's what's probably going to happen at work. What do we need to do to make this, this stretch out? For a lot of you, you t this is tax season. Um, you might be getting a return. That's, that's, a, that's some extra money that you can put in the bank and say, you know what, I'm going to sit on this. We're not going to go blow it on a new TV or anything like that. We're just going to ride this out. You can The, the TVs are going to be on sale in a month or two when this is over. Right now, you need to just prioritize uh, and make sure. I'd encourage you during this time, too. This, this is isn't about me. This is about you. Um, be faithful in your tithes and your offerings. Um, my salary is not dependent upon what you give. I'm telling you that right now. But I want to encourage you. I just know from experience when you're faithful to God, he takes care and he multiplies. When Charity and I were without a job and I was doing some odd jobs, it was very little money coming in. But I promise um, we tithed on that. And it was amazing to see how God stretches things. I don't know how he does. He just does. And so I want to encourage you. That's between you and God. I'm not looking. I'm not asking. But, but you guys, I want to encourage you. I, it will help you. The other thing I think that you really need to, to, to resource and you really need to steward well during this time is steward your time. You know, for so many of us, we are running from one event to another, from one kid's sporting event to another sporting event, from one appointment or meeting to another appointment or meeting, and all of that has just went out the window for the next season. 
like our calendars just became wide open, right? <laughs> and so now is a time when you're going to be at home. And a lot of us, we need some much needed time at home with our families. You know, steward your time. You can sit on Facebook and you can sit in front of the TV for the next two weeks if you want. Or you can steward your time and say, you know what, let's, let's do something with our family in the evening. Teach your kids to cook a meal or play a board game or teach a new skill or read a book or shut the TV off, shut social media off. You'll be happier anyways when you do. Um, focus on your spouse. You know, you know call the grandparents write somebody a letter. There's a thousand things that you can do to steward your time well over the next several weeks. And I promise you that if you do that, this season doesn't have to be a hindrance. It can be a blessing to you. It can be a blessing to your family. Um, I read this one pastor and, and I, I don't know, we don't want to, we don't want to give God quote unquote credit for something like this per se, but he did say, I wonder if God's trying to call us to slow down a little bit. You know, during the season, I'll be honest with you. I, I was really frustrated when all this came, started coming up uh, in the, in the media. You know, why I was frustrated because it un it unhinged my plans you know we're we're we were if you guys remember right you know it seems like a long time ago because it's been a week uh, and this week's been chaos but if you remember right next week our church was supposed to go to two services and in and in two weeks or three weeks they're about we have easter and thereafter that we had a men's event and thereafter that we had uh mother's day and all these things we've been planning on as a church and now they're all up in the air and we don't know where they're going to go um and that frustrated me because that unhinged my plans um, and we don't know, we don't have the answers for any of that. But here's what we do know is that we can just seize the opportunity. Sometimes God brings us things that we did not plan on, but there are opportunities that we can use and, and cultivate. And right now, some of us need some much needed time with our spouse and with our kids. And let's cherish those times. So I want to wrap it up and I want to close the two. I want to talk to two groups of people. And the first, I want to talk to people who might not be believers. Maybe for whatever reason you jumped on today and you uh, jumped onto this live stream and you're sitting here and you're like, man, I'm, I'm scared. I'm worried. I have fear. And I was talking about the gospel message earlier and, and you would say, you know what? I, I don't have that faith in my life. I, I don't have an assuredness of Jesus in my life. I, if I died today, I don't know if I'd end up in heaven or I don't know if I'd end up in hell. Here's the good news of the gospel is that any moment when you put your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible says you're saved. Romans 10, 9, if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God rose him from the dead, we will be saved, right? And simply confessing Jesus with your mouth and believing in your heart says, God, I'm repenting of my old way of life and I'm putting my faith and my hope in you and you are my Lord. The reason why all of us get in trouble is because we try to control our life. And in this season where we can't control anything, it's a great opportunity to see that we need to turn to the one who does hold the future in his hand, and that is Jesus. And so here in just a moment, I'm going to pray. And if you need to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to give a simple prayer. And you can just start praying. It's not about saying the right words. It's about coming to Jesus saying, I'm giving you my life. And when, you, when we start praying here in a moment, you can pray and just turn to him and say, Jesus, I'm turning away from my old life, and I'm making you Lord and Savior of my life. I'm living for you. I'm making you the priority. And I promise you that Jesus hears those prayers and you will be saved. That's exactly what the thief on the cross did. He said, Lord, remember me when you get into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. It's not about saying big fancy prayers. It's about the attitude and the slant of your heart. And when you turn your slant of your heart towards Jesus, he hears your prayers. The other thing I want to do is I want to talk to you as believers 
These are five opportunities that we need to seize. And when we seize these opportunities, our church and your life is going to thrive. And in this season, the church, not just J First Assembly, but the big C church, the global church, is going to explode. So be willing to share your faith during this season. Be willing to be the light. Be willing to be spirit-led. Trust in the scripture more than you trust in the news. Seize these opportunities. Everything's going to be okay. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we just come before you this morning. And God, I thank you for this opportunity that we have just to worship together. And I pray this morning, God, first for people who might not know you. Lord, we don't know who's watching. We don't know who's joined with us, but God, you see their heart. And if there's people right now that are watching, that they realize that they're at distance with you, I pray that they would just begin to surrender their life to you. God, every single one of us have come to you at some point and we had to repent. We had to turn away and Lord, we had to make you Lord of our lives. And Lord, I pray this morning there'd be people that start to cry out to you from the depths of their heart and they would surrender their life to you and Lord that they would make you their Lord and make you their Savior and they would put their trust and their hope in you. Lord I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would begin to just pour upon those people and that they would feel your presence Lord wherever they're at right now that they would know that you're with them. Lord I also pray for us as believers God help us during this opportunity God to seize every opportunity that you bring our way. Lord, help us to trust in the gospel. God, help us, Lord, during this time to grow in our own faith. Lord, help us during this time to be your priesthood. Lord, help us during this time to remember our brothers and sisters. Lord, help us during this time to, to, to guide our resources and to, and to steward our resources well. And God, as we seize these opportunities, God, we thank you for what you're going to do. We thank you, God, that you're going to provide for us. We thank you, God, that you're going to bring us comfort. We thank you, God, that you're going to watch over us. And Lord, we're going to give you praise because we're we're going to see your hand guide us through this season. And Lord, I'll give you praise in Jesus name. Amen. amen. Hey, amen. amen. Thank you guys so much for joining our live stream this morning. If you need anything at all, you can just comment below or send us a private message uh, on Facebook and we're going to respond to those the, the best we can. Um, I plan on tomorrow afternoon going live. There's obviously a lot of questions that people have. What's going to be our response as a church? How are we going to, as individuals, try to organize some things so that we can help perhaps the elderly or those who have immunity issues where they can't go out and get groceries? Um, also, obviously, we had a lot of plans as a church that we're supposed to be within the next two or three weeks. How are we going to approach all those things? Uh, those are things we're going to be talking about as a staff tomorrow, and I plan on going live with you tomorrow afternoon uh, in order to kind of share with you some direction that we're going to take over the next few weeks to give you some uh, answers as well. Uh, we also have a really cool thing that we're going to be uh, live streaming later on this afternoon as well. We have a, a service uh, designed just for the kids. And so you'll see that premiere and go live here this afternoon. And I promise your kids are going to love it. So uh, if they don't catch it right on, on time, obviously they can watch it later. It's going to be awesome. Anyways, have a great time with your family today. Uh, it's kind of rainy outside. Maybe you need to watch a movie or play a board game or something. But, but love on your kids. Love on your spouse. Call someone that you haven't talked to in a while. Uh, let's just make the most of this opportunity. We love you guys. We can't wait to hear from you and check in with you next week.